Well, good evening, church family. Tonight we are turning our attention to the book of Philippians once again. We'll be looking at verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2. So I invite you to turn there in your Bibles if you have your Bible out with you. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Uh, let me read those for us and then we'll dig in. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Now, the first thing I want to point out there is that Paul emphasizes that what God requires of us, what God calls us to, what God expects of us, does not change even when our circumstances change. So he says, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. In other words, your life has been characterized by obedience. And so what you ought to be doing right now is just like you obeyed when I was there with you, uh, much more While I'm not with you, you ought to be doing the same thing. You ought to be obeying. You ought to be working out your salvation. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. But he's emphasizing just because I'm not there doesn't mean that you should change the way that you live. It shouldn't matter whether Paul is there or not um, in regard to your obedience. So whether or not you're obeying God, whether or not you're doing what God wants you to do, whether or not you're seeking to live in accordance with the scriptures, that should not be based on whether or not Paul is present, right? That's something you should be doing all the time, uh, he's telling them. He said the same kind of thing back in chapter 1, verse 27, when he said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In other words, what I want you to be doing, Paul says, whether I get to get out of prison and come see you again, or whether I remain absent, whichever one happens, what you need to be doing is living your life in accordance with the gospel of Christ. Live a life that fits with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for your salvation. Your life ought to be lived in light of that and in line of that, regardless of what circumstances you're in. And so Paul's saying the same kind of thing here in verse 12. And that's good for us to hear right now, because for many of us, not for all of us, but for many of us, um, our lives have drastically changed over the last few weeks. A lot of things that we used to do, we can't do anymore. Maybe even some of the things you were required to do and expected to do for your work or or taking care of somebody in your family or something, you're no longer able to do. Uh, that part of your life may have changed, but Paul is reminding us that the most essential part of your life, that you're living in obedience to Christ, that you're seeking to live in accordance with the Scriptures, Um, that part hasn't changed. God's expectations of us have not changed uh, while we're uh, in this situation. Now, maybe your life hasn't changed that much. Well, then obviously uh, that holds true for you too that uh, what God requires of you in this season hasn't changed. Now, there may be some specific things that you felt like God wanted you to do uh, that you're not able to do anymore, right? But the basic things 
right? Like loving your neighbor, uh, loving God, uh, meditating on the scripture, um, obeying God's commands. All of those things remain the same. There may be some specific ways we were applying those before that we're not able to now because we're not able to go certain places or see certain people. But the basic idea is unchanged. God's basic expectations of us remain the same. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be obedient. Now, what does that look like? Well, Paul uh, says here in verse 12, he says that this is, this is what he's calling them to. He says, you're to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, some people have stumbled over that phrase because anytime we hear the word work, and salvation in the same phrase, uh, we have a little uh, antenna that come up, right? Because we've had rightly drilled into our minds and hearts that salvation is by grace through faith apart from works. We are not saved by our works. We do not earn our salvation by our works. And that is fundamental and absolutely true. And that is not what Paul is talking about here. He does not say work for your own salvation with fear and trembling. He, that's not what he says. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's what he means by that. You already have been saved, right? You have been granted salvation by faith through the grace of God in Christ. God has granted you salvation. His salvation has taken hold in your life. His salvation has changed your life. You are a new person. You are a new creation. Now, what do you do? The whole Bible is also clear that even though once we are even though we are saved by grace through faith apart from our works, the Bible makes very clear that our salvation will show itself through good works in our lives. So we're not saved uh, by our works, but if we are saved, we will do good works. The clearest place that this is uh, taught, perhaps in the Bible, is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, we all know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says, you're saved by grace through faith, apart from works, uh, so that no one may boast. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. But then the very next thing that Paul says, after he says you're saved by faith, apart from works, is he says in verse 10, for we, or excuse me, by grace and through faith, he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace through faith for good works. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved apart from works, but we're saved for our good works. Meaning if we are saved, God intends for us to show what he has done in us by what comes out of us. He intends for us to demonstrate his salvation, his life-changing grace by living a changed, transformed life. So what Paul says we are supposed to do is we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means what God has done for you, to you, in you, now your job is to work that out, to manifest that, for that to begin to show up in the way that you live, in the way that you talk, in the way that you act.
act and the way that you spend money and the way that you treat your neighbors and the way that you treat your spouse and your kids and all those. That's what he means by work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation, but work out right what God has already done within. So what does that look like? Well, um, Paul gives us plenty of pictures of what this might look like. One of the uh, clearest places, perhaps, is, is also in the book of Ephesians. He doesn't use the same language, but he's communicating the same ideas. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, for example, in uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul has laid out the gospel of salvation by grace through faith. To me, Then, in chapter 4 and 5 and 6, he says, here now is how you're supposed to live. For example, Ephesians 4.1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. In other words, you have been called to salvation. You have been called to Christ. You've been saved. And now what I'm urging you to do is to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. You have been shown that you are a sinner, but you have been shown amazing mercy and grace through Christ who laid down his life for you on the cross to fulfill his Father's plan to secure your your salvation through his death and resurrection. And so if that is what God has done for you, then shouldn't that mean you are now becoming a humble person? a gentle person, a patient person, as God has shown amazing humility, gentleness, and patience towards you through his son who humbled himself in order to take your place on the cross, who was patient with you through all of your sin and rebellion. He loved you anyways and saved you. He was gentle with you. He could have destroyed you. He could have condemned you. He could have left you to yourself, but he was gentle towards you. And so now those things that he has done for you ought to start working themselves out in the way that you live. Another way Paul says this later in Ephesians chapter 4 is he says, um, and this is starting in verse uh, 22. We're kind of jumping in the middle of the sentence, but he says um, that we are to put off, you are to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, you've got your old self, who you were before you came to know Christ, and you've got your new self, who God has made you to be now in Christ as a new creation. And every day and sometimes every moment, you have to decide which one of those selves you're going to live out, right? Because the temptation is still there to live the way you used to live, to, to live out of your old manner of life. And Paul's saying, you've got to put that off. You've got to make the conscious decision to remember that that's not who you are and to decide that's not how you're going to live anymore and instead to put on the new self to embrace your new identity in Christ and to live in accord with who God has now saved you and made you to be. And then he gives examples of that. For example, uh, Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So maybe before you were a Christian, you were just a liar. You just lied all the time, right? Or you, you're constantly deceiving people for your own benefit or whatever. He says, you can't do that anymore. That's not who you are anymore. you got to make the decision that you're not going to speak that way. You're not going to deceive others. You're not going to lie and twist the truth and all those kind of things. You are going to speak the truth with your neighbor. You're going to put on that new identity in Christ. You've been forgiven and set free of that old life of lying. And now you're going to embrace truth-telling, right? And he gives examples about anger and stealing and the language that we use, all kinds of things. And what he's saying is the same thing he's saying in Philippians 2.12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out into your daily life what God has already done in you. Start to live out the salvation that God has given you uh, by grace and through faith. Right? And this is not a light thing, right? You, you see that phrase there with fear and trembling. This is, this is a, um, a, a huge responsibility. Uh, this is something that we undertake um, in the presence of God, before the face of God. The phrase uh, quorum Deo, right? We, li- we live before the face of God. We live in the presence of God. And so we are God's own and we belong to Him and we want to do what is pleasing to Him and what honors Him. Not living in a terrified fear that He's going to you know, strike us down any second if we make any kind of mistake. That's not what the Bible tells us, right? That we are His children now in Christ. There's no condemnation for us. But He's still holy and He's still God and we still revere Him and fear Him appropriately and want to uh, honor Him and please Him. But He has not left us to ourselves to do this. Working out our own salvation is our responsibility but it does not fall. It does not fall exclusively on our shoulders. Look at what Paul says in verse thirteen. He says, "For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure." So we are called to work out our salvation. But even as we are working out our salvation, that working out that we're doing is built on or grounded on God's work that's going on inside of us right now. Not only what he did in the past in saving us, but also what he's doing now in us and through us. So he says, God is working in you. So as you work out your salvation, that's not something that you get to pat yourself on the back for and say, wow, what a great Christian I am. Look at all these wonderful things that I'm doing. If you are growing in your walk with Christ, if you are doing the things that please God, if you are maturing as a Christian, uh, that's because you are working out your salvation. Yes, but the reason you're working out your salvation is because God is working in you so that you will work out your salvation. So God works in you. And what is he doing? He's working in you both to will and to work. So both the actual activity, the work of working out your salvation is coming from God, but so is the will, the desire to work out your salvation. Even that is coming from God. And so God is at work in us both to give us the desire 
to do the things that he wants us to do and to help us to actually do those things, give us the ability to carry those things out. So the whole reason why you and I can work out our salvation is because God is working in us to give us the desire to work out that salvation and enabling us to do that work. So that means um, that the ultimate reason why you and I don't quit, why we don't give up, why we don't stop following Christ is because God is continuing to work in us. Remember Paul said at the beginning of this letter that our salvation from beginning to end is God's work and that God never quits or gives up. Philippians 1.6, Paul said, I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he saved you, he started this process, this good work in you, and he's not going to quit. He's faithful and he's going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ's return when you are perfectly transformed into Jesus' likeness, into Jesus' image when you see him face to face. He is at work in you to bring this about. He's going to make sure that the work he started gets finished. So we are called to work out our own salvation, but it's God who works in us. Let me give you one more example of, of how Paul says that in another place, in another way. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, Paul is talking about how he is an apostle, even though he became one later when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And then he says, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So Paul is by any reckoning, reading through the New Testament, the hardest working of the apostles. Nobody seemed to travel as much as Paul. Nobody seemed to plant as many churches as Paul. Nobody seemed to do as much preaching as Paul. Paul was the hardest working of all of the apostles. What explains that? Well, Paul says, I worked harder than any of them, any of the other apostles, but it wasn't me. The ultimate reason for that is not to be found in me. But it was the grace of God that is with me. So what do we ultimately attribute Paul's uh, work ethic to? The grace of God. He means the same, he's saying the same thing when he says that his grace toward me was not in vain. When God poured out his grace into my life, uh, it wasn't vain. It, It didn't come into my life with no effect. It changed me. It transformed me. In fact, it empowered me to work hard, even for me, even harder than the rest of the apostles, Paul says. And I'm not saying that to boast about me. I'm saying that's what God's grace did in me. So when Paul calls on the Philippians and calls on us here in Philippians 2 to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, to obey no matter what the circumstances are, to follow Christ's example, right, who obeyed his father even to the point of death and death on a cross. He's saying when you do that, when I'm calling you to that, know that underneath all of your labor, all of your effort, all of your striving is 
God. God is at work in you. God is fulfilling the work that He began in you, that He will bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that does not mean that because God is working that you can just sit on the couch and do nothing. You are called to work out that salvation. Just know that when you're working out that that salvation, God is the one who is underneath your effort, making your effort possible, making your effort productive. So So there's two things going on here, right? We are being called to an active Christian life, active growth in pursuing uh, Christ-like behavior in our life. We want to please God. We want to we want to honor God with our lives. And alongside of that comes this encouragement that God has not left us to do that on our own for ourselves. But underneath every effort, every time we open the Bible, every time we pray, every time we seek to love a neighbor, every time we seek to uh, love a spouse or uh, raise up a kid in the, the fear and admonition of the Lord or whatever it is that we're doing in accordance with the scripture, underneath all of that is the God who loves us and has saved us and who is now dwelling and working within us to enable us to be and do uh, all that he wants us to do. So we have much to give thanks for and to praise God for. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to work out the salvation you've so graciously given us. Help us to live faithfully. Help us to live uh, obedient lives and, and to confess our sin to you and receive your forgiveness whenever we fall short, as we often do. And help us, God, to be encouraged by the fact that you are at work in us. You are the one who is enabling us to both to will and to work to desire to do what you want us to do, and to do the things that you've called us to do. We pray that you'd help us to be faithful, even in this strange and unusual season. In Jesus' name, amen.